respect for Coach Rhodes, and I know that Saturday night it's going to it's going to be a tough task. You know, going up to Ames. You know, it's going to be a chilly night, and they have a they have a great crowd up there. It'll be raucous, and it's senior night, and you know they've had some you know they've had some tough losses, especially at home this year. I mean, they had a tough loss against Texas, and a tough loss against TCU. I mean, and, you know, almost every week there's a lot of similar patterns I see this year where they've been, you know, close in games for quite some time. Like they had Oklahoma on the ropes for, for a half last week and then gave up some big plays. So I think that you know, Coach Rhodes is the lifeline in that place. He grew up 10 minutes away and, you know, you can see that they, the team plays with the same toughness that he has. I have a lot of respect for Iowa State. and. I know that looking at their defense, I look at that middle linebacker who's making plays all over the place. Reminds me of Ben Heaney. You know, I, I watch him play and I watch, I watch Heaney play and they look at the copycat versions. But at the end of the day, you know, um, I think that we have a tough task, but this would be another major hurdle for our program if we could get up there to Ames and you know, come out of there with a win. I think that that would, uh, that would do wonders, wonders for us. Uh, going forward. On that note, I'll open it up for questions. You guys, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Tom. Tradition, he said. They haven't been to the Red Zone as much as, as often as some teams, but they are fourth in the nation in scoring percentage in the Red Zone. How, how do you explain that? Well, I think that their, their offense is fairly proficient, to tell you the truth. I think that they're a ground-and-pound type of team. You know, I think that uh, you know they're average, still averaging over 21 points a game. So I think that they haven't shown you know big firepower, but I think they're very proficient. And when we get down there, that that that's 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 showed up. Are they similar to you in some ways? I mean, they've had offensive line injuries. And well, actually, their offensive line is, is one of the more athletic groups. I would say that the strongest group. Because there's been there's been some teams with more size, but one of the they're one of the more athletic groups up front with their offensive line. You know, I think that uh, you know we're more of a you know a, a try try to play a, a physical group, especially after we put Riley in there at left tackle. We went more with, more with girth than we did, than we did uh, in the other direction. But um, I wouldn't exactly say they're exactly the same. No. Uh, I think their offensive line is the is the mainstay, is the cornerstone of their offense. To tell you the truth, you you guys have obviously had a lot of experience bouncing back and, and heading into Sunday and Monday off of losses. Is it almost a retraining that has to go on after coming off a win, or or is it easier? Or? Well, I think that uh, you know I, I've told you this before. You know we haven't experienced it that many times since I've been here, but. It's really easy to bring them back to earth on Sunday because yeah. you know they just enjoyed the game. They feel good about themselves. But now you can be overly critical of some things that you would not be overly critical of. And you know now you know I, my sarcasm will be at its all-time high here today. You know because anything they do wrong, it'll I can already hear me now. Oh, you win one game and all of a sudden that's the way it's going to be. You know, you know I've sent text to the team um, about you know about not about taking this and run with it versus being complacent and da 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 so 
I think that uh, I told you last week my uh, my juice level was was high, and I think it'll even be higher this week because I'll be looking for any signs. I'll probably go overboard even when there's not a sign. I'll probably try to create one just to make sure we drive into them. That let's let's take this and run with it. Let's turn this into a positive. Let's not turn this into you know be satisfied with with finally you know winning a game. How much of that same concept falls on your captains or your leadership committee? Oh, it, it's it, it's the coaches, captains, and leadership okay. committee. I expect you know between the assistant coaches and the captains of the leadership committee. And, and it goes beyond that because there's guys that aren't on the leadership committee that have, have now assumed roles of leadership as the year goes on. You know, you take a guy like Ben Goodman, or you know, it, it, when he's not listening to clarinet music, um, you know, uh, you take a guy like Tim, take a guy like Ben Goodman, even though he's not a senior, you know, he's one of those guys who's been playing all year long. And it's kind of take is kind of taking some people along with him. He also got the blocked field goal, which was a misreported by a few places because the uniform numbers were impossible to see. From you know, I, I heard I heard that there was a complaint from somebody in the press box other than Bob Davis because that was earlier in the year that when his, his complaint was. But we won the game. Wouldn't you want us to wear those uniforms every game? You can win with. It wasn't the uniform. No. It was the coaching. Uh, yeah, I thought the numbers were pretty tough to see myself, to tell you the truth. You know, uh, and that's the last. But, but once again, no, I will, will not say that's the last. Because I do not pick the uniforms, as I told you multiple times. I have no input on the uniforms. I, I stay out of it completely. So, so when people complain, I can gladly say, I've, if you ask me what we're wearing, Two weeks from now, I could tell you I have no idea, which is great. Who, who's elected? That's not the point. We have a selection committee, How's that? <laughs> of which I'm not on. But he uh, he had the block field goal. He had the interception, 54-yard return, couple tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, to recognize that, have you instead of playing Springsteen and? Let's stop here, here too. First of all, when we lose, I don't play music. Okay, and if I do play music, it's to it's, it's to get them mad. Like on Tuesday of last week, I played one song over and over and over again. Now let's see if you know what that song is. Uh, the John Denver. <laughs> exactly. And I just played the same song the whole time. Because when we left the game last year, I was walking off that field, being serenaded by you know eighty-five thousand or whatever it is. I swore that 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 would it would be different the following year. So Tuesday, that point was emphasized. Now today, the music will go back on because they won, but I do not pick the music either. So I think no, good. no. The reason why they put either Bon Jovi or Springsteen in there is just because they don't want to listen to me complain. It's not because I requested. I mean, uh, well, that's probably pretty smart. You know, you know the, the head coach likes certain music. Give him one song in there. You know, every other song is rap. Give him one song. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt to throw one song in for me. Would you throw Benny Goodman in for Ben? No, but I used to play in a big band. Believe it or not, when I was in high school, I played in a dance band. Okay, played a, played a baritone sax, and I was familiar with all that music. Believe it or not. 
So you learned something else about me today. So you could have been Clarence No, it wasn't quite that good. <laughs> you know, he played a tenor sax, by the way, but that's okay. Can you still play? Probably not. <laughs> I couldn't play then. You know, I, <laughs> I started playing when I was in fourth grade. So. Hey, Charlie, you talk about every week how you plan for the weather. Is there another adjustment that has to be made this week? Since Here, Here's a problem that both teams have this week. You know, in both in Lawrence and in Eames, it's going to be similar. It's going to be a little cooler than here. Okay, but in both places, during the week, it'll be significantly warmer than it will be on game day. Okay, it'll actually be windier than it ends up being by kickoff time. And you can't simulate a drop of 20 degrees or whatever it ends up being. You know, I mean, the high for the day now is in the low 20s, with the low being around 7. So you figure if the sun goes down before 5 o'clock, you're playing, you're playing at 7 o'clock, you know, then the odds are by kickoff it's probably going to be in the low teens and with the, with the wind chill, which is supposed to be a little under 15 miles an hour, you know, it's probably going to feel definitely in the single digits, you know, it's going to be chilly. But this, they're going through the same thing. It's not getting colder there until Friday either. So the same Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday pattern that we have, you know, they're going through the same thing, you know, so that's all you can do. I'll address it one time with them, and it'll be at the end of practice today. It's the only time <coughs> I'm going to bring it up. I'll address it and say, look, fellas, this is going to be the last time I want to talk about it. You already know this is the way it's going to be, and, and you know, I, don't want, I told the assistant coaches, I'm not one word out of their mouth about what the temperature's going to be, and I said I will address it one time when it'll be on Tuesday after practice. Game plan-wise, does it change anything for you guys? Um, wind, wind, wind affects game plans a lot more than cold. You know, cold doesn't usually change the game plan dramatically. Rain doesn't change the game plan dr dramatically. Snow doesn't change the game <coughs> dramatically unless there's a lot of accumulating snow on the field. Wind, wind changes the game plan dramatically. You, you think guys have more juice playing under the lights? You had a lot of 11 o'clock games. You think they'll be more fired up for getting out there? Yeah, but so will they be. You know, right. Senior, senior night at home. I mean, you know, the, I think that uh, they'll like the fact that the, the crowd will, you know, will be geared up and ready to go. Do players like it? Yeah. They love it. Coaches absolutely hate it. Right. You know, we're, just, we're just polar opposites. You know, an 11 o'clock game, I'd, I'd take every single game. You know, now, I don't know what fans like. They probably like somewhere in between. They probably like the afternoon game. They'll have to get up too early and get done, get, get home early. You know? But I know as players, they always like playing mm -hmm. playing night games. Coach Montel did a pretty good job of you know, eluding extra hits at the end of his runs, whether it's diving or just getting out of the way. Is that something that you kind of tell him, or does that come natural to him? Well, the problem a lot of times with the young guys, they, they, they don't know how to do that. I mean, there's guys that you actually have to teach how to slide, teach how to dive, but uh, um, he's been pretty quick on the pickup where you say, don't take the hit, don't take the hit, don't take the hit. Now, there's times where you take the hit. You know, if it's, if it's third down and two, and you, know, you have to dive to get a first down versus taking the hit. You know, there are a few times where you got to risk your body, but I think for the most part, most of what he did was just, you know, you know, listening to Ron and realizing that there's a time to, there's a time to take a hit and there's a time to do all you can.
You took a lot of what Baylor has kind of been known for, at least last week against West Virginia. Do you think that was more of a matchup thing you saw or, or something that you thought maybe fit your team moving, moving forward? Well, I mean, it fit more with the quarterback that was playing. I think that, you know, look, at there's different ways to, to approach each game, but basically we sat down last week, last weekend and then looked at it, watched all their games and you sat there and you kept watching this and, you know, they had scored 56 by halftime. They could have scored 100. You know, they call out the dogs, you know, and they scored 70 and it really, they were nice only scoring 70. So you're watching this and, you, and look at, I'm not saying we have Baylor's players, but you sit there and watch this, like what's the key, what was the key component? You know, you, you knew Montel was going to start, okay, and with him starting, the more the field is spread, you know, the more opportunities, the more opportunities you, you have when you have him playing court. What's he been like in the aftermath of his first start, his first victory, all the good vibe that was going on? Well, you let him enjoy it on Saturday. He deserved to enjoy it just like everyone else. And then you sit down there. I mean, I mean, you sit down there. I'll give you an example of a play. You remember the post that he overthrew in the end zone? Well, Tony's uncovered. Around the corner route, uncovered. Mm -hmm. And that's who he's supposed to be throwing to. So when everyone else is on and on, I'm saying, what about this corner route to... to this number three guy who's in the corner with nobody on. So, I mean, you know, you can talk about all the good things, but there's a wide open, no one within 10 yards of your number one read in the progression. You know, when we're throwing a post out of the end zone into double coverage. So, you know, you can talk about, you want to talk about the good things. It gives me a great opportunity to sit there and say, you know, look at this. You know, here's, here's seven points we left on the field right here, mm -hmm. but... I look at there was plenty of good there to coach off of it. It was a great, it was a great start for him. But there was also plenty of evidence in the game where you sat there and looked at it and said, you know, God, I wish I would have seen that. You know, so um, it, was, it was a good teaching, good teaching week. I'm sure you've seen it a, a bunch of times in your career when when a quarterback takes over like that, whether it was Brady, you know, filling in for for Drew or whatever or younger guys, I mean, is there something that you see in a guy after that first start, you know, moving forward from that point that, that you might be seeing in Montel or, or something that lets you know, yeah, this, this guy's ready for this opportunity? I think quarterbacks are very, very careful not to overstep their bounds. Mm -hmm. I think that it's tough to, if you're a, for example, Montel might be a young guy, but he's a, he's a natural leader by trade. Okay, well, he's not going to try to be the leader when Jake Jake is the leader when Jake's playing. You know, so as I told you a few weeks ago, Jake's been good at encouraging when you're out there, you know, it's your team out there. And I think that once you get a game like that under your belt, I think it helps you because now you go into the huddle and it's kind of you're, you're, you feel like you're more in command, you know, where the players are waiting to listen to you and waiting to follow you. Is that hard? Um, get a guy to not lock in on one receiver? Is it typical of young guys? Is it hard to change? No, they all want to throw the touchdown pass, so they all want to throw it deep. You know, but, you know what, what, uh, what's a little harder is to take the shorter route rather than throw the deep route. Like when you have different levels, you know, they, you know, if they had their druthers, they'd always be throwing the deep one if they had their opportunity. But we didn't throw it that many times in the game. I'm just using you know that that one that one example right there because you know like you said you call the play 
when you're running an under and over. So one guy's over the top and one guy's underneath. And you look at one guy, they double this guy, you throw it to that guy, they double this guy, and that guy was uncovered. Well, the next time that's open, that happens, you can bet that he'll read the right guy and he'll throw it to the right guy because, like anything else, a lot of, usually when you experience it and you see it, then the next time it happens, you got it, usually. How much does a win help with teammates gaining more respect for that particular quarterback? You said, you said it happens when he starts. Yeah, that, uh, Kevin, to be honest with you, it helps a lot, but it helps a lot, you know, probably the best thing that's happened. And I hate to say it because it sounds like a negative, but Jake, <clears throat> how he's handled Montel is, has been one of the biggest blessings that we've dealt with. Because he's pushed them, you know, almost like you're pushing them, uh, pushing them, even though that's your job they're taking. You know, push them to, to let that come out of them, and then the players around want to follow, like you're saying. And when you when you've won the game, they want to follow you more. What the good things happen in the game that you know, they want you to have the ball in your hands. They they want good things. They want you know they want you out there, and I think that that's. No, it's definitely something to grow on, grow on, or grow from. What can you tell us about um, Tony Pearson? How's that's well, going? Here's, here's, you know, I thought about this one, Rustin, and you know, he's listed as, as, you know, and you know, he can go either way. Um, I think that the smart thing for, for me, is to not be a hypocrite. I don't think we should be playing Tony the next two weeks. That's what I think. Even though I know the doctors and the trainers and Tony would all like to get Tony in a position to play, in the age of concussions, somebody's got to make a stand. You know, somebody's got to make a stand when a guy is can still has a possibility of playing and sit a guy down that is still questionable. And I just think that it's the it's the it's the best thing for Tony. You know, I think that the best thing with only two games left in the regular with the regular season and spring ball not till you know early March, I think the best thing for Tony's health, therefore the right thing to do, you know, is instead of coming out and put him down here uh, on the depth chart and having Iowa State say, well, we don't know if he's playing or not, you know, that might be good for the uncertainty with with Iowa State, but at the end of the day, I think the right thing to do is for me and the training staff to sit there and say, Tony, you might be able to go, but you're sitting down the next two weeks, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure this this head of yours clears up, and we're, and you're 100 percent healthy. I don't know exactly how concussions work, but do you think what you've been told by the training staff, if he takes this time off and he's you know off until the yeah, spring, he hasn't got, gotten hit in the head. Okay. And this is another one. He didn't get hit in the head on this one either. And when we fell on the sideline, he didn't get hit in the head. And this hit, he didn't get hit in the head on this one either. I mean, so it's one thing if you saw a helmet-to-helmet -helmet blow or a shoulder-to-the-helmet -helmet blow where it was a direct hit on that right there. You know, so I think that, you know, given, like you said, you're talking about December, January, February, you give him three, mo three months from, you know, he'll be chopping at the pits when you get back to March to, you know, get, when you get going in spring ball again. And, and having a healthy Tony is, is critical to the success of our program, but not at the risk of Tony. <laughs>
you had so much depth at that position at running back and then Taylor Cox with his hamstring and, and then Tony and I mean obviously that was a luxury and you knew it, but have you have you thought more about hey, maybe moving forward let's let's load up as much as we can because you never know. We gotta, I think we gotta cover. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Has it changed your thought process at all though? No, I think we gotta cover. Okay. Apparently this can be a thirty minute answer, but where is this game headed with the concussion? Well, I think that you know, there's the question is how much subjectivity is involved, number one. And number two, what is, is there going to end up being a truly established protocol? I mean, I know people talk about, you know, well, here's what happens now, and they talk about cognitive tests and things like that, but I think that because of some of the tragedies that have occurred, you know, you know guys, players killing themselves and things like that, I think that um, it's going to head in the direction where I think that there's going to be when the guy goes out with a concussion, I think that it's going to be long periods before before they return. That's what I where I think it's at. Mandated? I think eventually that's it's going to end up, end up have to be that way. Because what have we heard anything positive on, on the subject? I mean, only awareness is you know awareness and people uh, erring on the side of caution now. That's the two positives we've heard. But have we heard an established protocol? I mean, we really, really haven't. So I think that you know, our, our trainers and doctors do a really good job of making sure we try, we try not to put our players at risk. And I think that I talked to them on Sunday about this very, this very subject. I know that Murphy Grant's one of the leaders, and you know, in the country as with the trainers about on the subject of, of concussions. But I think at the, at the end of the day, I think that I think that you as the head coach, okay, you can take steps towards being towards caution too. You know, you can go above and beyond, and not that you're trying to be a savior, but I think that you, I think that if we really want to practice what we preach, you know, instead of being hypocritical, I think that we got to be we got to be the trendsetters when it comes to that. And you know, it's tough now. You're losing football game with one of your best players. You know, you're sitting there and you can't, maybe you can go, maybe you can't go. Okay, but really, for, for what? You know, what, what do you gain and what risk and things like that. And I think that, I think that's where it's heading. I think it's going to, I think it's going, it's going to be, it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's what I think. And eventually there'll be some kind of established protocol that everyone will have to follow. It won't be like Kansas's version. It'll be, you know, mandated. This is, this is, this is what you have to do. I don't think I'll be coaching anymore at that time, but I think that, the, I think that that's that's where I'll end up heading. How do players come plead to you to play and say, I feel okay? It won't make a difference yeah. to to me. You know that, like you said in the olden days. I mean, those guys didn't get hit. And, You'd say count to five, and then count to three, and say, "Okay, get in there." You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> one, two, three—that's enough. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know that's not certainly not the way it is now. You know, it's you know they the trainers take them over there and they take them to the back and they. I'm saying just on game days alone.
But usually then when a guy gets head to head in the game, you don't see the return of the game. And then there's a question of they out a week and they out two weeks, they out, you know, two months. You know, usually it's you know considerable. You guys are dominated by juniors and obviously got the bull coming back, but that victory last week, how big was it for a guy like Kevin Young? Um, who's been around forever and that's why I talked about I talk, you know, without naming names that's why I talked to the team about it after the game and I said for all you guys that have been here for for five years that are on the John Belushi plan you know of being in college for so many years you know but you know I, 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 that's why I was the happiest for you know you go through all these coaching changes you know, you go through all these coaching changes and, and all these losses on top of it. You know, the, the combination of the instability and, you know, everyone getting on you and telling you how crummy you are and all that other stuff right there. And you're showing up and working just as hard as every other one, everyone else in America is, if not harder. Okay, I think that even though there haven't been a bunch of rewards, I think a, a, a game like Saturday was, you know, was, was so good to look in their faces. I mean, it was so good because we can see the absolute joy. This wasn't just happy that they went, they won. You know, it was joy. You know, like one of them described it as, you know, a kid on Christmas Day. That's what it looked like. That's seriously, that's what it looked like. It looked like kids on Christmas Day. Connor Embry is a, not as fast as most guys who do one of the toughest jobs in football, but he's better than most guys. What what are the things that Make him well, first of all, he has really good hands, so he catches everything. Okay. Second, second of all, he, make, he makes very good decisions, and third, he can make the first guy miss. You know, so that, that those three things are the most important things to the punt return. Okay, being able to catch it, making good decisions, and being able to make the first guy miss, and, and that's what he that's what he can do. What, what enables him to make the first guy miss? He makes uh, his shiftiness. <clears throat> he'd like to say his quickness. I, I, I tell him there's nothing quick about you. Okay, so I call it his shiftiness. But you know he'll show it. will show like a, a leg one way and they'll go for that. And you know he he's really good at you know contorting his body in such a way where you know they think they have him but they don't. Coach, going back to Montel, how do you gauge his performance in the passing game, and what do you want to see from him in terms of throwing the ball and the responsibility that he takes in the passing game? Well, we only threw it 12 times, and we had a couple other passes called that uh, that he scrambled for, for, for good production that, that I call hidden yardage. I think that it's not a question of whether Montel can throw the ball, and I think he'll get better and better because he has all the tools to be a successful passer. But when you're in a game like that, and you're running for over 300 yards, and the linemen are controlling the line of scrimmage, why throw it? It just doesn't make any sense. You know, so him running for 60 yards was just as important as him throwing for 60 yards, because the game was won up at the line of scrimmage. Obviously, James Sims had a lot to do with us winning the game. But the game was won at the line of scrimmage on both sides. That's where the game was won. Kind of in the same vein. I know obviously he's more of a running threat than Jake is. And so when you have Montel in the game, how much do you have to uh, just shift your offensive philosophy? 
Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> just just out of curiosity. No, no, I just meant. I mean, I just meant going forward. I just want to know if that was rhetorical. If there was, if you meant it, I'll answer it. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't. I mean, I know, I know the running part as well, but just in terms of him as a quarterback, I just. You like spread the field. To That's the difference. Okay. You know, because now you want more space. You want as much space as you can get. You you can understand why Baylor wants to play the way Baylor plays. Is to play sideline to sideline. You have all this space now. They have, there's the field's 53 yards wide. Every field's the same. They're all 53 yards wide. Okay. So let's say if you guys are split five yards from the sideline. That's 43 yards of field they're going to cover. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of territory that you're talking about. Now, the more condensed your formation, obviously the condensed the defense, too, and now your margin of error, you know, goes down, you know, goes down, you know, dramatically. Is it too early to say that uh, Damon Martin's turned the corner? And, and turned no, the I think he's turned the corner. You know, I think that I've said to people recently that have asked, Damon was never a question of whether or not he had ability because he's one of the strongest guys we have. Okay, his question was his, his consistency because there were a lot of times he looked really good and other times he'd look really bad. Okay, but as this year's going on and he was kind of eased into it, as he became the swing guard, you know, playing both right guard and left guard. You know, then eventually he became one of the best too. And now he's, you know, he's got, right now it's kind of tough to take out because he's playing pretty well. Did he pass Smithburg, or, or has Smithburg kind of leveled off and struggled to, to continue where he started? Well, I mean, if he wouldn't have passed him, he wouldn't be anywhere. Well, yeah, but I mean, was it a result of Damon actually passing him or Mike coming back to the pack? It's, you just go each week. Like, Doesn't matter. If you guys want to go each week and try to figure out who, you know, who, who's, who's playing the best. And just Damon was playing better. Okay. That's, you know, it's, it, it's a, the answer is it's a combination right, of both of them. Right. You know? Charlie, this is a little bit off topic, but I'm curious of your thoughts. There's a there's a high school coach in Arkansas who never punts, kicks an onside kick every single time, and uh, according to the numbers, it actually gives you a better chance to win. Um, would you not necessarily consider doing something like that, but why why do you think coaches are inclined to, to play it more by the book and conventionally? Well, you don't want to get fired. <laughs> That's probably a good place to start. Okay, and in addition to not wanting to get fired, what I think there's sometimes, for example, if I did that, it would be the lead story on ESPN. Because, because it would be perceived that I was doing it to bring attention to myself. So you really have, I mean, there's things, There's this game is a big game here, and I think out of the respect for the game, what you have to try to do is know your place. You know, in high school, you might be able to get away with it, but I don't know. If you did that in the college or you did it in the pros, it would, it would, I think that it would be perceived like your intentions would be to be about you. And I certainly would not, you know, would not think that any coach that got to be a head coach at either one of these levels would ever want that to be the case. Have you ever seen any of those numbers, and does it at least make you think about um, going you, for it more I'll often? Like, no, I'll give you a, a similar thing. Okay, I was thinking about 
going up and calling the game from the press box. Okay? That was thinking about calling the game from the press box. Because every week I've been trying to figure out what can I do different to try to get the offense going. And I thought long and hard about it. But the real reason why I didn't go up there is because I thought that people would say I'm just bringing attention to myself. That's the real reason why I didn't go up there. You know, because if I went up there, why would I go up there? I mean, I've called the game from the field, and I've called the game from the sideline. Okay, you're the head coach, you know, you're supposed to be on the sideline. Why would you go up there unless you couldn't walk? Okay, even when I couldn't walk, when I got wiped out, you know, in 2007 or whatever it was, I still went on the field, you know, even though I couldn't walk. Okay, but, you know, I think that it's not the same question, but it's the same subject where I think that there's, there's a certain protocol that comes when you're a decision maker of being a head coach, and I think that you have to respect the game. After you guys beat Louisiana Tech, you talked about hoping that that was the day that maybe you'd turn the corner and some, the day you would look back on that. It, obviously, losses followed that game. Do you think you did turn the corner, or, or do you think something like what happened Saturday is, is more that day you were talking about then? No, I don't think we turned the corner that day. I thought that, that, I, I thought that that's what was going to Mm -hmm. That was an indicator that that was that we were ready for that, but obviously we weren't ready for that. Okay. I mean, I'd say during the next next span of weeks, our our defense had, had games good enough for us to win. Mm -hmm. Not every game, but you know, some games good enough good enough for us to win. But I think that you know, I think that knowing how to play complementary football for our team, certainly how Iowa State plays. They play complimentary football. You know, when when things go right, they win. When they don't, they lose. Mm -hmm. and, or or the, you know, the game ends up being really close. And I think that we've learned now. We've learned how to kind of, you know, how to work this together. And it's it's made us you know better. I told you all along that I thought we'd be playing best at the end of the year. Right. And you know, I usually don't just make idle comments that I don't think it's gonna turn out that way and I said that let's let's see how it all plays out and you know, hopefully we got two more opportunities to 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 make some progress and hopefully that's the way it plays out. I, with the cold weather, um, is gloves a personal decision or do you, do you believe it in or not believe or whatever the player will no, I, I really don't. It, it really doesn't bother me with, when receivers wear gloves. There's guys that can't. There's quarterbacks that play with gloves. You know, I don't know how you can, but there's quarterbacks that do. You know, you know, and that really it doesn't bother me too much. You know, I think that you know, the, usually you try to stay warm when when you get, stay warm when you get out there. You, you have to go play. I mean, I played in some of the, one of the coldest games ever. I don't remember the temperature, but I mean. Played the Tennessee Titans on a Saturday night in the semifinals of the, of the playoffs, and it was about 13 below zero at kickoff, and that didn't include the wind chill. I mean, it was awful, absolutely awful. You know, I remember we won 17 to 14. I still remember, you know, them running an empty play and Vince Young throwing up the left sideline, and our DBs falling down, and the wide receiver dropping the ball 
2114. That's I remember. And I remember I got inside and there wasn't enough hot chocolate in America. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was freezing. But uh, I think that um, yeah, you do what you can to get your, you know, to protect your body, and then you go out there and you go. And it's, uh, we're not talking about that type of temperature, but it's going to be chilly. It'll be chilly. You wear gloves. I will be on Saturday. <laughs> if I didn't, I will have them. You know, Not mittens, but clothes. No, I'll gloves on. Yeah. You just talked about Kevin Young a bit ago. How, how about another guy like that, like Gavin Howard? I mean, how much fun is it for you as his coach, you know, as a guy that – not just the football side of it, but a, the personal side of it. To see a guy like that who was, you know, where he was, and then now here he is, and he's dumping Gatorade on you, and he's and he's talking trash, and he's having fun. I mean, how much fun is that for you to see? You know, it's kind of funny when you think of Gavin. You know, here's a 4-0 student. You know, now, you know, it's really tough to be a 4-0 student if you want if you're not playing football. But throw on top of it the time, you know, the time requirements that it takes to play football on top of it, and uh, to be able to be successful playing football and be a great student—that's that—that—that's a great compliment. So if he wants to go out there and talk trash on the field, so be it. Sign me up. Because normally the offensive linemen aren't the guys talking trash. Normally it's the defensive linemen talking trash by nature. It's the nature of the position. So it's. Always kind of fun, fun to watch when one of the offensive guys is right in there with him. It's, it, 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 it's kind of fun to watch. You, you got two games left. Would it be crazy if someone said, hey, Gavin Howard gets my vote for offensive MVP this year? I mean, but there's not a chance. It's an offensive lineman. Right. Offensive linemen don't get considered for MVP. <laughs> I mean, why would you even say something like that? Well, one of your guys you know? said that. Yeah, I know. It was an offensive lineman. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Only an offensive line would make a comment like that. I mean, there's that, that number 29 guy. Not bad. You know, if anyone voted for anyone but, but him, uh, I'd have to ask him what drugs they were taking. Really, are you a fan of choosing replay to review the spot? I'm, I'm a big fan of replay. I think replay you know, covers a lot of sins. The only negative of replay, it gives the, the referees a security blanket. Because they can make a call saying, oh, well, you know, if we screw it up, replay will get it right. You know, so that's the only, only problem I have with replay. But I think that more often, more often than not, more often than not, replay at least tells you whether or not there was a definite error. You know, I understand most of the calls end up that are controversial end up being play stands, which means we can't we couldn't tell whether or not it should have gone the other way. But there's been plenty of times where, you know, it's not confirmed, it doesn't stand, so there's a reversal. Because they can definitely see whether you know whether the call was right or not. But I'm a big fan of replay. Yeah, I was saying in particular spots and just because it seems like the guys on the field might be better position to see an actual spot than but what it still comes down to it still comes down to the play stand and you know like when those guys are upstairs if it's subjective they're supposed to just stay with the call so I mean if they have you know five different TV replays that and one of them clearly shows that the spot is in you know in error 
then you know, then I'm 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 all for it. You know, um, there's so much subjectivity with calls. It, it's got to be all or nothing, and I'd rather have replay involved than not have it at all. Can you always get a measurement if you want it measured? No, because I've asked for them and I've gotten. What's their explanation that they? That's a good question. Yeah. That's the, that's the same question Bill Belichick's asking. <laughs> <laughs> that's the same. That's a good question. 